This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we reflect on the men's lacrosse team's tremendous season and look forward to the NCAA championships for track and field and women's rowing. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The men's lacrosse team fell to Wesleyan by a score of 14-13 to in the NCAA quarterfinals on Wednesday. The Bobcats trailed 6-0 at halftime and by as many as seven goals in the second half. Bates rallied to tie the game on Charlie Fay's seventh goal of the afternoon with 1.29 remaining in regulation. But the Cardinals scored the eventual game winner with 38 seconds to go and Bates could not convert on the other end as time expired. The Bobcats finished the season with a record of 16-2. and Head coach Peter Lasagna had a lot to say about the historic year. Looking back on the 2017 Bates men's lacrosse season with the head coach of the Bobcats, Peter Lasagna. And, well, Coach, first of all, obviously the Wesleyan game, a thriller, a heartbreaker, however you want to describe it. Obviously you guys rally from seven goals down to tie. Wesleyan gets the goal late. What do you tell your team immediately after something like that? Because um, it's obviously a tough situation with you know all the seniors realizing, oh, this is it for us. First, we cried a lot. Um, it was very emotional. And when you have a vision that includes winning that game and moving on to another place you've never been before, it is it's a it's a hard it's a hard harsh ending. Um, and we tried to as quickly as possible get to being so proud of all the incredible things that they accomplished and that uh, as Hallmark Cardi as it sounds, um, it was certainly an ending for one team, but it was very much a beginning for the next team and for Bates Lacrosse. Yeah, and there's so much depth on this team. We'll get to that in a moment, but I want to talk one more thing about the Wesleyan game. You almost turned the tables. I mean, it looked like you guys might win the game when you called for a stick check which is kind of, uh, we, I hadn't seen that all year, someone get called for a three-minute stick violation. Was that like just a move that you were, oh, let's see if this works? Or did, did, did you see something? No, there were a couple moments. He obviously had a great, he had a great game. Um, but there were a couple moments where he won a face-off and ran through three or four people getting checked really heavily. And so every face-off guy, because of the stress that they put on the head of their stick, probably has an illegal stick at some point during the course of the game. And... We sort of decide not to call it, um, but with the advantage that he was getting, possibly with an illegal stick, uh, it seemed like the time was right. Yeah, and it obviously was. And, and Charlie Fay, what, what 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 more can you say about what he did down the stretch? Right. Well, the, his performance was remarkable, um, and I think the team's performance was remarkable. I mean, nobody thought, and I'm guessing not even anybody on the Wesleyan sideline thought they were going to hold this team to zero goals in the first half. And they did. And they get a lot of credit for that. Um, And for us, that was experiencing something we certainly had not experienced all year on the biggest stage. So for us to just talk about believing, um, remembering what we do really well, which is score goals quickly, uh, and staying true to who we have been all year long, and then watch it play out like that, where I think we went from every fan there, again, no matter who you were rooting for, went from, oh, this is too bad, hoped it wouldn't end this way, 
uh, to, oh my God, Bates is actually going to win this game. Uh, was one of the most incredible things I've ever been a part of. And it was, it was of course, it's very difficult to end that way. But to also just the, the admiration that I have for the effort um, is something none of us will ever forget. And then we talked about, you know, the great senior class. I know I understand you had a, a meeting with them or your annual end-of-the-year dinner um, last night. And so what was the main message after some, after some time had passed? Uh, it was... Um, Who's going to step up next year? Uh, what people are going to be ready to fill the roles that are that are now graduating? Um, and how resilient is our culture? Does the culture that those men, you know, spent four years contributing to and building, obviously, especially this year, uh, is that culture now just part of who we are? And uh, they all assured me that it is and that they will be uh, assistant coaches from a distance with all of the young guys, which was a, a really great thing to hear. Ryan, speaking of those young guys, what do you think they learned from either having a limited role or watching from the bench uh, this, this incredible run this season? I think that they learned what it means to have the highest standards that you can possibly have in approaching your sport and really everything that you do in your life and having those seniors as role models for the first year guys was incredible but those guys were great role models to the juniors and sophomores as well and I think that the love that they have for each other um, I think the greatest compliment that these younger guys could ever give to the seniors um, that they were so disappointed that they could not help deliver the, the last couple games to them is to do even better next year obviously a guy like charlie Fay, you don't replace with one other person most likely uh you replace him kind of in the aggregate so give me some names on attack next year we can look look out for to maybe uh, step up i know lasava obviously will be back clark jones but who else um well we hopefully get back uh, a healthy max Bresci and a healthy jack merritts a healthy josh caldwell three people that we planned on being very important parts of what we did this year um so We'd love to get them back healthy. We saw some first-year guys, uh, Otis Klingbeil, do a really nice job at times. Uh, Duke Brown-Jones, uh, now a rising junior, stepped into a really important role for us when Scott Baber went down. Curtis Napton, R.J. Sarka. Um, you know, we have a... We, is Clark Jones going to be a midfielder or an, a lead attackman? Um, again, we continue to have some really intriguing parts, and... What we're talking about is, yeah, I mean, as you said, you don't replace Charlie Fay with one guy. You don't replace Kyle, replace Kyle Weber with one guy, Freddie Ulbrich with one guy, Charlie Gravina, you know, Scott Baber, all those guys, Andrew Melvin. Um, but our style is a lot of why we were so successful this year, and we are going to stay committed to this style. And that style, it seems like teams try to play you on grass whenever possible, right? I mean, is that something, do you plan to practice more on grass next year? Or is that something you just, you just approach it when it comes? Uh, you approach it when it comes. Yeah. I, you know, do we, do we need to have a plan in place uh, so that we're not figuring it out right. the day before? Yes, uh, we do. And our friends at Lewiston Middle School were yeah. incredibly helpful to us. Um, but yeah, with a new athletic director coming in, maybe that's one of the things we, we talk about early. Sure. And then for you as a head coach, where does this season rank? You know, you've been coaching for a number of years. Where is it ranked uh, for you, even going back to your days at Brown? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, the only thing that I really can compare it to is the Final Four run at Brown in 1994. Um, but we 
we did some things this year that that team didn't do. I, you know, I hadn't been 14 and 0 right. uh, with that team, and but it was a similar vibe. It was a similar senior class, which was hugely responsible for leading that team as well, and just finding ways to win through adverse situations. And as I said to the seniors last night, they're going to remember the lacrosse pieces of this for a really long time. But what I hope they also take away is that they took action. Every day from their freshman summer on, they took action that contributed, not alone, but they took action to contributing to all those wonderful things that happened to us this year. They will face other situations in their lives now, outside of college, outside of lacrosse, where they'll face adversity and things will not go perfectly immediately. And uh, I'm hoping they and everybody connected to this team can draw upon those lessons of resiliency that are really what success in life is all about. Great. Well, Peter Lasagna, congrats again on the tremendous season for the men's lacrosse team, and we're already looking forward to next year. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Aaron. I appreciate it a lot. Now we look forward to the NCAA championships taking place this week for a number of Bates spring sports. Junior All-American men's tennis player Ben Rosen competes in the NCAA Division III singles championships at the Champions Tennis Club in Chattanooga, Tennessee, starting on Thursday. This marks the second straight year Rosen has qualified for nationals. What has been your training process like since you found out you are going again? It's been good. These past couple of weeks I've just been hitting a lot with my teammates one-on-one with my coach. The last couple of days it's been really hot out, which is good training weather for Chattanooga. Um, a couple of days ago it was like 95, so I took advantage of that and I played a lot. Yeah, because you know all these matches are going to be outdoors, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really hot next week. And then um, have you ever been to Tennessee before at all? Never. Never? Never. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I like traveling a lot, so seeing a cool city would be nice. I don't think I can make it to, like, Nashville, but Chattanooga is supposed to be actually a pretty nice city. You're going pretty early. We're talking to you here uh, Friday before, uh, you know, your first match is probably coming up, what, on Thursday. And so you're going to be watching the team competition first like you did last year. What do you gain from that? Uh, I think it's great to watch it because you can see how hard these kids fight. Um, And if anything, it shows me a lot for next season, Um, stuff to bring back for the guys to tell them about. Um, but you just see how much heart they have. I mean, it's going to be really hot, and I'll see just competitors and warriors out there. Um, and last year, it was cool to watch um, Bowden win it all because they're our rivals. They're also good friends, so that was awesome to watch them last year. Right. I mean, Bowden, a team you guys beat during the regular season, they got, they got you back in the NESCAC tournament, but I think they went, went on to win the NESCAC tournament, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. They did. And maybe they'll do big things in the national tournament this, this week. That'd be cool. And then, um, so you, you like to support them when you're not playing them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but they're from Maine. I think that's, you know, a big part of it. Sure. Uh, I'd love to see them do well, but I don't think I'm rooting for any other team. I, I'm an unbiased supporter this week for the team event. Gotcha, nice. And then, um, you know, this year from a team perspective, obviously you achieved your goal of making the NESCAC tournament. Um, and then so that gives, gives you obviously a stepping stone for next year, right? Absolutely. I mean, this is, that was huge. I mean, we could, it showed us that we can actually do it again and maybe even go farther. And next year, our goal, we just talked about what our goals for next year are, and it's possibly to win the NESCAC tournament instead of just getting there, which would be huge. And I think it's a big step making the tournament this year. Yeah, because you got that taste in your mouth now, right? Yeah, we're hungry. <laughs> we're hungry. We're already thinking about next year. Excellent. And then the team, you know, looking at them a little bit more, obviously you're going to be losing Chris, you're going to be losing Pat, but you got some young guys who were pretty good, weren't they, this year? Yeah, they were very good. Yeah, those Chris and Pat, Brent, they're big losses for the team, but we had a cop who started nearly every match, and he's he's a great competitor. And we had two guys, uh, three guys, excuse me, Glover, 
um, Eisenberg and Vid, who are all really good players, and you know they just missed the lineup, but they're serious ball players, and I think they could be really impact players next year. Well, because you, as a first year, you were in the lineup, but you weren't number one or anything. Have you told them a little bit about your rise and how it can maybe motivate them? Because don't get discouraged, right, even if you're down the lineup. Right. Yeah, I try to talk sense into them because, I mean, my freshman year I was playing five, and I didn't. I never thought I'd play one the next year. Um, and I, Yeah, exactly what you said. I try to tell them, you know, anything could happen these next six months before the season starts. Um, and, I mean, what changed my uh, position was just – purely getting fitter and diet-wise and exercise, and I try to tell them that. And I think they're taking it to heart. I think we're going to be serious next year. You competed, obviously, last year at individual nationals, had a, had a great run, got, you know, became an All-American. What did you learn from that experience you're going to apply this year? Um, I think that was a great experience. I mean, obviously, it helps coming back this year. I've already been to nationals. I kind of know what to expect. Um, and I just, I just know that I just got to trust the process. I know it's still going to, you know, I got to take every point one at a time. I can't, you know, look ahead. Every player there is, you know, the best in the country. So I just got to respect every opponent, and I just got to fight my heart out. Last Thursday, a handful of Bates track and field athletes traveled to MIT for their last opportunity to improve their times or distances enough to qualify for this week's NCAA championships. And senior captain Patrick Griffin took advantage of the opportunity in a big way. Griffin finished the 800 meters with the fastest time in the field, a personal record of 1 minute 51.22 seconds, which moved him up from 5th place to 4th place on Bates' all-time performance list in the event. The result is Griffin's first time qualifying for the NCAA championships in an individual event in his career, and his first time going to outdoor nationals. Griffin has the 12th best time in the 20-man field entering the race. Talking with senior captain Patrick Griffin here on the Bobcast. Looking forward to the NCAA championships for men's track and field. But first of all, you had one more meet there at MIT with a chance to better your time. You did exactly that. So uh, how are you feeling out there? Pretty good? Uh, yeah, I mean, the race felt really good. Um, the two meets prior to that, I'd run, well, at Division Three New England's, I had PR'd by about a second. And then the meet after that, it opens. I guess the race went well considering that I wasn't able to run 100%, but then I still ran really close to my PR, so that kind of indicated to me that I was ready to make another drop in my time. So this past weekend, yeah, the race just went the way I wanted it to, and I was able to win win the race and also PR by a few seconds and qualify for nationals. So. Yeah, and then what's the atmosphere like at a meet like that? Because everyone's kind of, it's their last chance, to, as it says, to qualify. It's kind of a mix, actually, because you get, at least for my, for the 800, it was pretty intense because... A lot of the men that were participating in the race were on the verge of qualifying or on the cusp, and you know we there was a rabbit in the race to kind of set the pace so we would run a fast race. But then you also get a mixture of people who are it's they're not going to start to qualify for nationals, but it's their last chance to maybe run. You know maybe they're graduating, maybe their coach just wants them to get like a last hurrah for the season. So uh, it's kind of what you make of it, but in general, I'd say it's a pretty intense meet. And then uh, Jack Kylie, who um, qualified as well, mm-hmm. there with you. So it's, how cool is it to have another runner going? I know we've got two throwers, but two runners as well this year. I mean, it's pretty great. I mean, Jack and I obviously train more indoors than outdoors just because I was training more for longer distances indoor season and closer to what he would be running. But, I mean, Jack's a really hardworking guy, really talented. You know, obviously I'm glad that you know he'll be there running with, well, obviously not running the same events, but right. there to support me and stuff like that. 
Yeah, as a senior, I think we've talked about this, how you didn't come in right away as a first year and, like, start qualifying for nationals at that point. You, you kind of build it up. So how satisfying is this for you as kind of an essential accomplishment of your career almost? I'd say it's pretty satisfying. This is definitely qualifying individually for outdoors is, well, in general, just because there are a lot more schools that participate in the outdoor versus the indoor season, it's a lot more difficult. So I would say I'm, I'm definitely happy with my accomplishments. When you came in as a first year, looking back on that, were you thinking at that point, okay, if I can work hard enough, I'll get to nationals? Or is that not even on your mind at that point? Well, it's tough to compare my, because my when I was a first year here, I was running I was running the 400 and I was doing the triple jump. Oh, so I was, I was a sprinter slash jumper. Yeah. And obviously I've made the transition into a middle distance runner, which can be done obviously depending on who you are. At the end of my first year, I had a fairly good idea that I wouldn't be able to qualify individually for sprinting or jumping. But middle distance is definitely, it seemed like where my strengths slide. So what prompted the switch? Just, uh, you decided that you wanted to do that? Or you talked to Coach Fresh or Coach uh, A little bit of both. Um, indoors, during indoors, there are a lot more um, kind of shorter middle distance races, like the 600-meter dash, and I'd done that in high school, and I did pretty well, and I ran it here. And with not a lot of endurance training, I was able to do pretty well, which is usually an indicator if someone can run a decent 600 without any endurance training that they would be a good 800-meter runner. So that, and people have been telling me for a pretty long time, that I would be a good 800-meter runner, but I've never really wanted to do it until college. So You've been a captain for this team now for a couple of years. What's that experience been like for you? Being a captain isn't, I guess I would say it's not all that different from being, I mean, you can still be a leader even if you're not a captain, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I'd say ha- having a leadership role on my team has been, I definitely feel like I have the opportunity to say say what I'm thinking more in terms of like telling coach or kind of having, having an ear with coach and having – also, you know, talking with other athletes on the team and trying to get them to get what they want in terms of entries for meets or even training or someone to confide in and things like that. But it's, I mean, it's definitely been a positive experience. It's definitely strengthened my leadership skills and communication and stuff like that. You know, it's funny for seniors, this meet is kind of interesting because you have your race there on Saturday. Yeah. Then you have one more race. You got into the airport because I understand the airport's like an hour away. So uh, how are you thinking about that, trying to get back in time for commencement, right? Well, yeah, I think... <laughs> We'll be waiting. I think the last event that's going on is the women's four by four. On so you know, you know, hopefully they'll you know make finals for that. So we have the chance of being you know maybe the chance of being late for the flight. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about making it back on time. I think it will, I think it'll work itself out. But get back kind of late on Saturday. <laughs> All right. Well, congrats again, Patrick, uh, on your uh, performance there, the last chance meet to qualify for outdoor nationals. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Aaron. Joining Griffin at Nationals on the men's side is junior Jack Kiley in the 1,500-meter run, junior Adedire Fakaridi in the discus and the hammer throw, and sophomore Tyler Harrington in the javelin. On the women's side, senior captain Allison Hill enters Nationals as the second-ranked 100-meter hurdler in the country. She will also compete in the 200-meter dash and the 4x400-meter relay. Senior Captain Jessica Wilson will compete in the 1,500-meter run and the 5,000-meter run. Junior Sally Cisse will compete in the triple jump, and sophomore Aiden Eikhoff will compete in the 800-meter run and the 4x400 relay. Joining Hill and Eikhoff in the 4x400-meter relay are first-year Paige Rabb and senior captain Claire Marconic. It all adds up to the most athletes the women's track and field team has ever sent to the NCAA Outdoor Championships. Head coach Jay Hartshorn previews the action, which begins this Thursday at the University of Mount Union 
in Geneva, Ohio. Well, Coach, a record six athletes competing at Outdoor Nationals this year for the women's track team. I mean, first of all, you got to be pleased to see the relay team get in because I know they qualified for indoors but couldn't compete because logistics, but now they actually get to go and compete. Yeah, they're really excited about it. Outdoor track's tricky because we didn't really get to put together our team towards the end of the year. Um, but then once we did, it was clear that they didn't, like, miss a beat from the indoor team. Um, so in, in part of that, Claire will be in her first outdoor meet, which is really exciting. And then, of course, um, Paige Rabb, who's been on that team all year, will be on her first nationals. And that was the woman who was left out of the trip we didn't take in indoor. And that was a little bit hard. Um, you know, she took it really well, but I felt, um, you know, guilty about it and um, wish that she got an opportunity. So it's nice she does now. Well, it's interesting because, like Claire, you mentioned, you know, a senior captain on this team. She's been a regular in the DMR at nationals every year um, in indoors, but there is no DMR for outdoors, so it's pretty cool to see her qualify in a different relay, right? Yeah, and for us, this is our first outdoor relay yeah. to qualify, and it's hard. They only take 16 from the whole entire country, so you have to be running really, really well you know, to get one of those 16 spots, um, which makes it really competitive. Because obviously every team, the goal is to get relays in. It's just that much more fun. So why not do that? Yeah, absolutely. And then for some of your seniors, we mentioned Claire, but also like Allie and Jess, this is their last go around. So what does it mean, you know, for you to have had them here for four years? Just, uh, I mean, they've been so productive, haven't they? Uh, they really have been, but it's really taken off the last two years and then this year has just been you know unbelievable with what both of them did and I think they are you know just really excited about the opportunity and it's nice um you know they've both had a lot of free time this month to kind of focus on training and get healthy and all that kind of stuff um it's a little bit hard when it's seniors because this is obviously as we're going towards graduation but they've both been really committed to um, track and field and sort of no doubt that this was the decision they were going to make to go to the meet. Um, And then, you know, if all goes well, we'll have a flight that will get them back for graduation. Right. For people who don't know, commencement is Sunday and the final day of the meet is Thursday, uh, is a Saturday, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, and our final events are like kind of towards the afternoon, like three something and we have a six something flight and it's an hour away. But um, it's going to work. <laughs> it's going to happen. Your last race won't be at the meet. It'll be to get to the airport. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to be a lot of showering or anything like that. But uh, they're prepared for that, and that's fine. Great. And then uh, we touched on the fact that a first-year Paige Rab is getting the opportunity to go. What does that mean when you can have such young athletes get the chance to experience nationals for the first time? Yeah, well, I think the thing that's nice about it is so she's a first year, and she's going with five other people, and everybody else has been before, kind of multiple times. Um, and so they're just going to really be able to help her, like, sort of get through the process and know what it feels like. I know one of the guys said to her the other day, like, it's all fine, but don't worry. Like, everyone gets so nervous, and so you just kind of, like, need to expect it. So I think it will be easier for her to experience this as a team and then I think she could turn into quite a good 400 hurdler and you know have a shot in you know maybe not next year but in the future of making it again and that this experience if she makes it again will really help her the next time for sure. I wonder kind of our breakout stars this year in track it seems like in cross country before that was Aiden Eikhoff as a sophomore she seems to really be having everything come together right now isn't she? Yeah she was the end of her freshman year also had a, a really great season. Um, and then 
she ran really well at indoor nationals and joined cross country for the first time but it wasn't really until like the last month that things really clicked but that was the exact same pattern that happened last year so we shouldn't be that surprised that when we got to sort of the end of the season championship time that um, she really pulled things together but for her to win NESCACs and D3s as a sophomore was was really incredible because she beat really good fields both times and then you know at nationals um, they're all seated basically at the same time I mean there's one girl that's seated way in front of everybody mm -hmm. else and then everyone else virtually you know visually um, in a race it all looks like the same time Terrific. And then Sally Cisse, of course, a regular in the triple jump by now at, at Nationals for, for the Bobcats. And um, she's ranked ninth this year, so she's got some – I know she was ranked a little bit higher in indoors. That's just because there's more athletes now. Yeah, they're in outdoor, yeah. there's certainly a lot of schools. So a lot of the California schools, Texas schools, Southern schools just don't participate in indoor. Yeah. Or they might go to one indoor meet, and if someone gets a qualifying mark, then they do. But for the most part, um, I'm not sure the number, but my guess is we – sort of collect you know 50 to 70 more schools as you get to outdoor track so qualifying becomes that much harder and then also they take 17 per event indoor on the women's side and 22 outdoor so even when you're there in terms of being all american or just competing making finals that kind of stuff um, is that much harder and the goal, obviously, though, is still top eight gets you All-American, right? Yep, that's yep. the same as indoor. So it's – and they might come uh, – it might be a little harder for a lot of us in outdoor, but um, I know that they're ready and they're going to give it their best shot, and that's all we can ask. Well, they had – I mean, the team did so well at indoor nationals this year, it must give them a lot of confidence because it's a lot of the same athletes going to outdoor this year. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's different with uh, – um, you know, the DMR is so heavily on whether you have a really good anchor, you know, so that really um, helped us up. But, yeah, everyone sort of has their own new little challenges in their event this year. So I think that was is going to be exciting. But I also know that um, they're ready for it. They're ready for the trip. And they just have so much more of a fun time if there's a lot of them. And plus you add the four men. So to have 10 athletes. Um, it's just going to be really fun, and then that kind of just takes some of the pressure off leading right up to the event, and then when you're at the event, the pressure is still the same no matter <laughs> what, but it, it helps sort of manage the whole week and make it, um, I think, a little bit more, like, athlete-friendly for them than if it's just, like, them and me, right. you know, sort of worrying about it the whole time. Right, because a lot of the fun is getting to cheer on their teammates. Yeah, and that will be different for us between when you especially look to see with what men's events and women's we, events we have, you know, we're in like 12 events, so that's like a track meet. That's like yeah. you're actually there watching a bunch of things, not just like, okay, this is the one day we have one person, and then maybe the next day we have one person, and then hopefully have people on Saturday. So it will be um, exciting for them to be able to like watch more of the meet and hopefully Last year it was just so hot, and this year it looks fine. <laughs> so it's like more what we're yeah. used to in New England, so that shouldn't be a factor at all. Well, not only the record six athletes, you're looking at, you know, Allie and Jess are both individually competing in two events. And I know Jess uh, competed in two events at indoors, as did Allie, but one of Jess's was a relay. So this is now two individual events for her. So that's a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, I would say we sort of targeted recently the 1500 as being her primary event. Um, we weren't quite sure as the season unfolded, and but that's the one we, you know, feel like all right. Let's focus a little bit more on that one, and then the 5K. We'll just see what happens, and and the 5K has 
kids that are coming back from 10K and 1500. So it's pretty common that most of those kids are doubling. And then it becomes more just like see how people feel because hardly anybody does that fresh. Um, and so it just makes it a little bit more racing versus racing on that day versus like, oh, what's this person's best time and what's that person's best time? So it, it plays out a little bit differently. Um, and so we'll just kind of, you know, see where she is in the mix on that day. All right, great. Well, Coach Jay, thanks so much for taking the time to join us, and good luck to all the track team members participating in nationals this year. Okay, thank you very much. The women's rowing team is ranked first in the nation, entering the NCAA championships this Friday and Saturday on Mercer Lake in West Windsor, New Jersey. The Bobcats are looking for their second national title in the past three seasons. Previewing the NCAA championships for the women's rowing team with head coach Peter Steenstra here on the Bobcast. And, Coach, first of all, obviously – a lot of great you know, success throughout the years at the NCAAs, um, national title two years ago. But that one thing that you're still lacking, maybe that first varsity eight, possibly winning a gold medal, is that really on the mind to a lot of people, that, that goal there? Because it shows the top end speed if you get it? Yeah, there's no question that the women that are in the boat, that's what they want. <laughs> yeah. right? that, that's the most amount of points we can get. So in terms of the benefit for the team, that's the, that's the result that matters the most. And then I know uh, track has been the coxswain there for the last few years for the first varsity eight, so I imagine she's pretty pumped up here now for her senior season. She definitely is. Uh, you know, she's pretty fired up, and Molly Pritz is also very uh, determined to, to get that top spot. Well, Molly, I mean, she's been in the second varsity eight the last three years and now moving up to the first varsity eight. How have you, have you seen her adjust to that uh, new challenge? Uh, she didn't have to adjust at all. It was, <laughs> it was uh, We started the season with her in that seat, and she hasn't moved since so it's 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 been the best thing for the crew there's no doubt about that and she's been in the stroke position what makes her such a good stroke her length for one thing she's very tall uh we've actually she's actually so tall and so uh long with her limbs that we have to adjust the equipment kind of to uh, to make up for that or to sort of shorten her up in a way um but she really stepped up her training i think over the summer and over the the winter and she's she improved quite a bit on her ergometer scores and things so I think that since probably NCAA's last year, she has had this goal in her mind, and she's been working toward it. I know the first varsity eight. What's exciting is that there's three first years in the first varsity eight. So it's a an a, you know sophomore with Lena Rentel as well. But I mean, you look at the, some of the youth and the uh, first varsity eight must make you pretty excited, not only for this year but in the future as well. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have a, a crew, of, especially a top crew, that has such a diverse you know, group within it, you know, representing every class and to have half the boat still with two years left or more is pretty exciting for us as a program. And, um, you know, we have a very big junior class that makes up, you know, the other three bodies plus um, the majority of the JV8. So when that class graduates in a year from now, you know, we're going to we're gonna have to really make some big adjustments or or whatnot, but it's good to have that much ability in your top crew. Great. I know we talked to one of the first years last week on the Bobcast, Hannah Fitz, and she talked about how during the NIRCs, uh, uh, at the last, like, you know, portion of the race, it was basically she blacked out because <laughs> the last thing she remembers was track saying, you got to go now. And so that was a pretty dramatic race, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a <laughs> little, little dramatic. We don't need it to be that dramatic. <laughs> right, right. We did come out on the right end of that one, which is good, um, obviously, but because it did mean the AQ versus yeah. hoping for the best. Um, we knew that, uh, you know, even if the wheels came off the bus in that race, we knew that we were still going to get 
probably the at-large, not not with just an eight, but we'll, we'll get a team bid mm-hmm. um, because of our season's results, what we had done so far. Um, so we trained through that race. And even though we wanted to win it, we knew we didn't have to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, the fact that the women performed at that level despite still being tired is really a good sign. And so how did the training change at all this past weekend and stuff, this past week where you didn't have any regattas to, to participate in? Uh, no. Last <laughs> week we were pretty hard on them yeah. last week. Um, that was our fifth week on the water was last week. Um, our sixth week was today, and that was it. And then we go down to, to Jersey, and we get to probably practice once or twice if the weather cooperates. But, um, no, last week we kind of we kept uh, we kept the pressure on through the first part, at least the first three days of last week. Great. And then you mentioned New Jersey. This is a uh, you know race, a course you've you've been to, but the team has not. What do you remember from your last experience going there? Yeah, the the course in West Windsor is known for being windy. Um, mm-hmm. It, but it's different from say the Indianapolis course. The Indianapolis course is known for being a crosswind. This one's known for almost always having a tailwind. So, whether or not that rings true, who who knows? But um, we have we've at least been keeping that in mind and working in a way that would sort of prepare us for tailwind stuff. Yeah. Well, a tailwind. I mean, that obviously makes all the times most likely faster, right? And yeah. so, but that that doesn't really necessarily change anything for any of the boats necessarily, does it? Or that's perhaps it, it can. Mm. Um, you can adjust your your actual rowing stroke a little bit for a tailwind mm. you can um, adjust your rigging th- so the the, mm. the mechanics of the boat itself you might want to adjust it's mm. like changing the gearing like just like on a bicycle if you're mm. going downhill you're going to use a different gear than if you're going uphill mm. so it's the same same thinking there um, you don't commit to it like that's the only option because we don't really know but we've been sort of playing around with that just to make sure it's not a surprise to us. Has this team raced in a tailwind much this year? Um, at Worcester, uh, one of our earlier regattas, we had a big tailwind there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so they've experienced it before, so it's nothing super surprising, super no. changing. I mean, it's like every day in practice. You know, yeah. You go one direction, you're headwind. Right. You turn around, come <laughs> the other way, you're in a tailwind. Sure, yeah. Uh, but it's just more of a discussing it for the racing mm-hmm. so that it's something that they're fully prepared for. That's all. Uh, we've talked about the uh, varsity eight and their goals. Obviously, the second varsity eight has done so well at, at nationals the uh, past few years, winning the gold medal. At, at, you know, each of the past few years, um, Abby Bierman obviously has been their coxswain during that time period. Um, and this, she's a senior; she's one of the captains, right? So this is the last go around for both the coxswains. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Well, you say interesting, and <laughs> you say <they're> right. <laughs> for me, it's you know I'm glad they, they've done a terrific job, and yeah. and um, they will do great come uh, NCAA's. It, it's it's a bittersweet thing because we see some very well-developed coxswains and they're going to move on to the rest of their lives. And, and then we go back to trying to create good coxswains out of the people we have or the freshmen that come in. Well, and one of those handed to Bruins the alternate for um, second, I think second or third straight year even, alternate coxswain. And so what has she learned, from you think, from this experience watching uh, track and Abby do their thing? <laughs> Patience. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that's the biggest thing. We, we've mm-hmm. had a lot of meetings with with uh, De Bruin. She's mm-hmm. she's really doing well. She's understanding her role, um, and she knows that she has an opportunity to come next year. Uh, but she also knows that that's not a given. So she's learning how to how to deal with that and how to contribute to the team in the best possible way. 
Greg, and there's any other thoughts on what you're most looking forward to or maybe most nervous about uh, this go around the NCAA championships? I'm not really worried about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that you know, we're at a point with this program where they they would do fine if I wasn't there. You know, <laughs> I'm there just to make sure that all the small things are are done. They, you know, they don't forget to put a bow number on the boat and make sure that the seats are going the right direction and all that. But I'm not worried about much. It, it, as a coach of an outdoor sport, you tend to worry about the things you can't control, like the weather. Um, so you have to wait until the actual day of, we, even within hours of racing, and and make a decision on what to do based on what the wind is doing or if there's rain or isn't or all that. It, you know, it's on a small scale, it's similar to the way the cross-country skiers have to put a lot of thought into that wax that they're using, and they may not know until 10 minutes before they start their races. So that's the kind of stuff that I would say that I can worry about. But the last thing I worry about are the athletes. They're they're just uh, focused. They're really dialed in. They know what they're doing. They're, they're all pros. They, they put a lot more pressure on themselves than I ever put on them. So it doesn't, it's not going to do me any good to worry about them. <laughs> if anything, I, I'm constantly trying to be a little bit goofy just to sort of relax them. Sure. Yeah. 11th straight year for the rowing program going to the NCAA. It's Peter Steenstra. Thanks so much. Thank you. Next time on the Bates Bobcast. We'll let you know how all our athletes did at their respective NCAA championships, and we'll wrap up the year in Bates Athletics. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my